This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined as always by Derek Terry of the Cats Paws. Derek, it's Mailbag Friday. It is. We got uh, quite a few questions um, to get to. We'll see if any more come in here in the next few minutes while we're recording this. But looking forward to getting to this, Sean. We'll also preview. Some of the SEC football games. Got to think there's going to be more than three games on the slate this week, but I've honestly not even looked. But it seems like some teams are back. So we'll get around to that. Keep our usual Friday routine. Yeah, and speaking of Friday, today's the last day for in-person dining in the state of Kentucky for three weeks. So get out to the Butcher's Pub with two locations, one in Pineville, Kentucky, one in Williamsburg, Kentucky. The next three weeks... I want to challenge you guys to make sure that you're taking care of local businesses. And for this show, it's the Butcher's Pub. The Butcher's Pub has sponsored Kentucky Daily pretty much the entire time that we've been a podcast. You can visit thebutcherspub.com or you can check them out on Facebook. They'll be doing curbside delivery, pickup pickup options, all that for the next three weeks at both locations. So make sure you get out there and support your local businesses. But, Derek, uh, let's go ahead and we'll jump straight into the mailbag, it's not a deep mailbag today. Uh, I think we got maybe three or four questions along those lines. Uh, what What is your – you have a couple on your end. What's the topic? Uh, yeah, I have three or four within, from the same uh, okay. person. Well, AJ, uh, do you want to start? Yeah, you start on your end. All right, this is from AJ Diltz. I hope I'm saying his last name right. AJ um, wanted to talk some hoops today. <clears throat> and let's start here. I understand what he asked. Basically, Kentucky's strategy is built on getting highly talented recruits to the NBA as fast as possible. It's what Cal's entire recruiting pitch is. But if your strategy incentivizes roster turnover every year, how are you able to build a foundation for your program? So the first question he asks is, are Cal's goals of having three to six NBA draft picks every year compatible with the goals of winning a championship? Man, that's a good question. Um. I think I think so. I think that obviously they've they've been in the conversation pretty much the entire Calipari era. You can throw what 2013 they they didn't make the tournament. Uh, the Murray Eulis year they were missing a big man, so you could throw that out. I just think that was a weird thing, you know, where Scalabissier didn't work out, and then Dakari Johnson didn't come back. The the year was Shea. And Hami and them, they kind of were missing the same thing. They didn't really have a solid post presence. I think that I think that his target of getting three to six guys drafted, you know, every year, 
pretty much fits being able to win a national championship. I, I think you see the same thing, you know, with Duke. I mean, Duke, uh, Duke won one in 2015. All these, both these teams have been in the conversation. I mean, if you if you get to the Elite Eight and you're a play away from getting to the Final Four, you're in the conversation to win a title. Uh, North Carolina beat Kentucky in 2017. Derek, I think that Kentucky was whoever won that game was winning the title. I think that you could probably say that for three or four times Kentucky's lost in the tournament that I thought that they were going to be the team that won the title. I, I actually think uh, the, the Keldon Johnson Tower Hero team, had they gotten to the Final Four, I think they would have won it. So obviously I think they have enough. I just think that there's been a couple years where they kind of struck out on the guy that they wanted in recruiting and it hurt them. Yeah, I mean, I guess the way I look at it is not every you know draft pick is the same. Whenever you have a team that has Anthony Davis and Michael K. Gilchrist, the top two picks in the draft, then – you know, you throw in Terrence Jones and whoever else is drafted from that team. Marcus Teague, I mean, yeah, you can win a title <laughs> when you have that quality of player. Same deal, even though they didn't win it the first year with John Wall, Eric Bledsoe, Patrick Patterson, DeMarcus Cousins, all these guys who are still in the NBA or have been. Um, and they could have won it that year. This past year, he hit his goal. If you if The goal is three draft picks. You know, with Richards, Quickly, and Maxie, do I think they would have won the title last year? No. Um, but for the most part, I do think it's just going to be back, I think, to getting some of those elite kids again. And I know they've had good players every year, but they've not really had a, and a, a guy like Anthony Davis only comes around once a generation, really. I mean, his college career is one of the best ever. So you can't compare anybody to him. But I think what you said is true. I mean, if you, like, you'll take that team with Malik Monk, uh, De'Aaron Fox, Bam Adebayo, that that team. I mean, they could have won it. You'll take your chances in a game like that, uh, in a season like that. It just didn't work out. So the second part to this question, there are three parts. The second part, has staying three to four years at UK become similar to a junior varsity assignment? Or EJ and Hagen's discouraged, possibly even embarrassed, to stay in school while they see Hero and Keldon get paid? I think, with, uh, I think it all depends on who's in your ear. Yeah, I think it goes with the approach. And now that we've seen the Nick Richards approach, Derek, where Nick heard everything. Um, he heard the the fans, and I don't think that he. I think he. What I'm trying to say is, I think Nick listened to the right people. Where some of these kids, they don't listen to the right people, and they feel so much immense pressure from family, and from you know people thinking that they were going to be a one-and-done talent. I mean, E.J. Montgomery was believed to be a one-and-done talent. Ashton Hagen's probably right there on the same line. I don't think Nick Richards ever at any point anyone maybe told him he was one-and-done. I think we could see it early from his freshman year, and I just think that it's just a different approach that these kids have. That I do think that you know kids like Ashton Hagen's and E.J. Montgomery, they viewed it as – you know, not being successful if they were going to have to come back for a third year. I think I think actually both of them viewed it as unsuccessful having to come back for a second year. I know EJ did. I mean, EJ was just about at the out the door as a freshman, and it was a worse move than out the doors as it was this year. Uh, what do you think about it? No, yeah, I think I think those two guys are a good example of, of guys who are gone no matter how this season turned out. Um, I agree with you on Nick. I think Keon's that same mold for this year. I don't think he's just trying to bolt as soon as he gets the chance. Um, I mean, if you want to go really extreme, a guy like Khalil Whitney, <laughs> talking about listening to the wrong people, that kid couldn't even get through his freshman season because he wasn't playing enough and then still thought he could go to the NBA. I mean, 
And I what saw some stuff, too, about him that people said he shouldn't have gone to Kentucky. Kentucky ruined him. Absolutely not. Like, that was not the case. I mean, we look at look at the guys that have gotten drafted just because they played at Kentucky, that they got opportunities. And Khalil's, the, Khalil's in that boat, Derek, that if he would just bought in and been a two- to three-year college player, I think he would have got drafted. I, but now I don't think he ever even sniffs the NBA. Cal's whole thing is getting kids, producing them in one year, getting to, getting them to the NBA. He knew that when he signed. It's probably the number one reason why he signed with Kentucky. And I just don't know where the logic is. I mean, Khalil Whitney's a young kid, so maybe he isn't thinking for himself. But whoever around him thought, if you're not playing at Kentucky, what made you think you could make it to the NBA if you can't even play on your college team? I mean, it's ridiculous logic. And I feel bad for him because he was a kid who, I mean, you could just tell watching him play last year, had no business. I mean, Cal couldn't play him. No. Cal will play you. I mean, he wants to win. He's going to play the best players. And he was in a spot where he couldn't even really use them. So that was unfortunate. I think they're trying to avoid kids like that in the future. And I think you can already see that starting with some yeah. of the guys that they've signed uh, this year. So getting to the last point from AJ, overall, if the appeal of your program is how quickly a player can leave your program, what does that say about the ceiling of that program? And has the lack of top five recruiting talent after t- 2015 only exacerbated these issues? where you had the worst of both worlds, unrefined talent and mediocre college success. Read AJ's, I think AJ's a little tired of the, uh, a little tired of the Cal era. Um, I'll read that again. Overall, yeah, if the appeal of your program is how quickly a player can leave your program, what does that say about the ceiling of that program? Hmm. I just, I don't, hmm. And these are these are really deep questions, you know, when it comes to. Well, it says AJ goes to Harvard, so. Yeah, I mean they're good questions, though. I mean they're obviously topics that I think that every Kentucky fan, you know, has probably asked themselves. And I think we I really. Totally get it. I totally get it. I think I've been critical too. I think these are really legitimate questions, and that's what I was trying to talk about yesterday. Is uh, it's going to be kind of glossed over this year because the new season's already about to start. But you had an insane turnover from last year's roster, and. Pretty mediocre draft results, really, in terms of yeah. how many got lost. I think that is, I think that's spot on too with the with the whole turnover. If if you're having turnover and it's getting and the turnover is getting paid off on the other end with draft picks, and you're having success, it goes it it has to go hand in hand for it to work. And like early in Cal's era, yeah, like the early years in Cal's era. I think 2017 kind of, I think 2017. And the hero and Keldon Johnson team, I think those two teams fit into that early mold of Calipari teams because all those guys were successful. I mean, P.J. Washington left. I mean, it was successful. Tower Hero, Keldon Johnson, Reed Travis uh, was a senior. I don't think anything too crazy happened with departures with that team, if I remember. Am I, am I missing somebody? No. That that was, so I think, I think that is the – honestly – that team is the perfect team for this era of college basketball, in my opinion. You had three guys get drafted. You had a grad transfer that was really good. And then you had Nick Richards, Emmanuel Quickly, Ashton Higgins, E.J. Montgomery return. If you can do that and be consistently doing that, like lose three, have a few come back, and then the next year. But then again, like it just didn't make sense for E.J. Montgomery and Ashton Higgins to go to the NBA. But what are you going to do? It's one of those things where at Kentucky, before you've even made your decision to leave, you've got someone who's on your heels who isn't even on campus yet. 
And I think that's the thing that gets a lot of these kids is when you're Ashton Hagens and you see the Devin Askews, B.J. Boston's, Terrence Clark, who's going to be playing on the perimeter coming in, who I think all three or two for sure are better, probably would be better than Ashton Hagens as a junior, just as far as what they do offensively. That yeah. I think you see the writing on the wall, and I think you almost get the sense that it's not that you're being pushed out, but at the same time, a lot of these kids, I don't think that they want to even leave it up, you know, for discussion to have to outperform someone that they. I mean, they already have to fight for their life just for minutes while they're there. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, this was these are very good questions from AJ. I encourage you to send more in the future. And I think these were very thoughtful. I do want to push back on the mediocre college success because I assume you're taking the mindset that. I mean, Cal's not had mediocre college results, basically. No. They've been either the best or one of the best programs since he's been at Kentucky. And they could have won more national titles. I get that. Uh, he certainly should have more than one. I, would, I wouldn't I would argue against that. But, you know, like you were talking about with the 2019 team, I mean, that team's overtime away from making it back to the Final Four. Uh, 2017's a buzzer beater away from going back to the Final Four and having a chance to win the title. So that's all you can ask for, I think, is to get to a point where you're right there in the mix. And, I mean, they lost to the, to the national championship, national champion in 2017, and then they lost to an Auburn team that just got hot. I mean, at the end, you beat a lot of good teams on its way to the Final Four. So last year, I can get your point. I think – I think that's probably the best example where I would agree that yes, they didn't, they weren't really. I know they're still in the SEC by three games, but they, anybody who watched them play, Sean, anybody who's watched Kentucky basketball, like you just knew that that team wasn't the most talented group, and they still found a way to win. And I think that made them a little bit easier, probably, to root for, is that whatever the limitations might have been, they still found a way to win. So you got to give credit. But no, I don't think they were a title type team. And then you still had that kind of turnover where you did have some guys who. EJ and Ashton, who probably aren't going to be making NBA rosters leave. So I do get that frustration there. But uh, overall, though, I think it's hard to argue Cal's results at UK. This is a program that, honestly, they have, they have to get back to a Final Four. I mean, he, he desperately needs to get back to a Final Four, Derek, just because with the, the talent you have coming in, the turnover you have going out every year, you've got to get to a Final Four. And honestly, like I think – if he gets a second title here in the next couple of years, it would do. I think it would do wonders mentally for the entire fan base, just because then I think that. I mean, how do you argue with winning two? Like if he's yeah. won two, he's the only he's the only coach outside of Adolph Rupp that's won more than one title. So his approach obviously worked, you know, more so than it did for others. Uh, so then I think that you won't. I mean, you'll still have the people when Cal leaves Kentucky. That'll say, well, I'm glad he's gone. I'm glad that we've, you know, you've moved on to, to a different approach. But then again, if you have two titles to show for, what really can you, can you dispute about his time in Kentucky? I think that's why it's vital for him to win a second one before he leaves. And I don't think it's out of the question. Let's say he stays seven to ten years. Who says he doesn't? He could. I think he could win zero, and I also think he could win two or three. So I mean, it's that's the thing. Like he honestly could have four to five championships right now. Had the ball bounced their way in 2017 when North Carolina beat them. Kentucky's winning the title that year if they get by that game. Uh, the undefeated team obviously should have won it. They were UConn got them twice when I actually thought Kentucky was the better team both times. 
So, mm-hmm. I mean, you you look at all those years. I mean, yeah, I think that's the frustration. I, honestly, I believe – I was thinking of this not too long ago. The 2014 team that made it all the way to the title game and lost to UConn, this is going to sound nuts, but I think that made 2015 38-1 so much worse because they were literally – in the title game and lost, and then you follow it the next year with almost an undefeated season and lost in the Final Four. And both of those two together, and you haven't got back to that conversation since, I honestly think just makes it so much worse because they could, there were yeah. two titles right there. But you don't get 15 if 14 wins it. You're right. And think of it this way. You're, you know, you're talking about how you thought, and I agree with you, they probably were better than UConn. But what do you think, what do you think Ohio State's saying in 2011 about losing to UK, you know? I mean, they feel like they would have lost to a worse team that year. In 2014, all those teams Kentucky beat, who probably felt like they had a good title shot. So, yeah, maybe Cal in 2015 had the best team, didn't win it. Well, think about the teams that they beat those years before to even get there, who were maybe didn't have more talent than Kentucky, but had certainly been better. I mean, Ohio State was the number one overall seed that year when Kentucky beat them. North Carolina in the next game was a, a very good team. So, yeah, they come up short, but at the same time, and I – I saw 2014 was my freshman year at Kentucky, and I wasn't covering them back then. It was my most fun year I ever had watching Kentucky basketball, I guess because they were the underdog that year or whatever. But that tournament run for those few weeks, maybe because I was just new to college and at UK, but, I mean, that was a blast. Whereas from what I remember in 2015, it wasn't as much fun. It was more like you were just trying. I mean, every game was – I don't know how much those kids even enjoyed it that year, to be honest with you, once that pressure started to mount uh, at the end of the year. I think for the fan base – I think 2015 might have broke a lot of people because they've not gotten back to that level. And it just seems like um, some people have had a hard time since then getting that close and losing the way they did to Wisconsin was a, it was a tough way to go out. But uh, I think, I think you're right. If Cal's here seven more years or whatever, who's to say he doesn't get a couple more. And the story is not closed yet. So Mm -hmm. still time to change things. And I think you're starting to see that in the recruiting process where, because I think AJ made some good points. I do think there's a cycle you get into that's hard to break whenever you recruit a certain type of kid and they think they've got to be here no matter what. And when they don't really produce, yeah, it it makes it all that much tougher to lose them without feeling like you really got the benefit of having a five-star player play for you. I'm going to go out on a limb right now and I'm going to make a very bold prediction without even seeing this team take the floor, which is probably stupid to make a bold prediction, but I've also seen that I've also watched all these players perform and I do think that this team I will go ahead and say it, I think this team gets to the final four this year. That's my bold prediction. Yeah, that's that's where I picked them. I picked them to make the final four this year. And I don't know if they'll win. I actually pick Gonzaga to win it. But well, that's my thing. I'm not gonna go beyond and pick who's gonna and like if pick if they're gonna win it or not just because I wanna wait and see, you know, exactly who's there with them. But I just feel like if you get there, you're in the conversation, you're obviously good enough to win it. And it just all comes down to, you know, how do you play? It's a one it's a one game thing. I mean, it's you're out if you have one bad night. And uh I think that's the thing that's happened to Kentucky multiple times. Their stars have had bad nights. Brandon Knott's not in the final four in twenty eleven was one of the worst performances I've ever seen. He could not hit a shot. Uh the Harrison twins didn't play too well didn't play well in the final game against UConn in fourteen. Uh guy Willie Colley Stein didn't play well against Wisconsin the next year. I mean it's just one performance can just send you home, and I think that's the beauty of it. But I will go ahead and say I do think that this team has all the pieces, Derek, to uh, get to a Final Four and be in the conversation to win a title. I agree with that. Um, 
I'm just ready for it to start, I guess, since five days away. But I, yeah. I'm like, you know, hope I'm not just hyping them up too much. I don't think so. I mean, preseason top 10 is one of the lowest they've been. But it's kind of weird that they're ranked that low. But it seems like within the fan base, people are very excited about this group. They're going to come out and lose to Moorhead State, and we're all going to look like fools, aren't we? No, I don't I don't think so. But I'm, I'm excited to get it started, too. We'll, we'll have a – We'll have a pretty good feel about this team by next Sunday after three games, and then especially when they play Kansas on the first. Uh, moving on, we'll stay on the basketball top topic. Uh, I had a question, too. It said, Sky Clark reclassifying, question <laughs> mark. Well, Derek, I talked to Sky's dad, Kenny, last night. He was updating me throughout Sky's game, and Sky finished with 51 points, uh, five rebounds, five assists, uh, his shooting numbers, though, he was 16 of 23 shooting, 14 of 17 from the free throw line, 51 points. He actually was going to Brentwood Academy initially when he moved to the Nashville area, and then he now ended up at Innsworth, which is the school record for most points in the game in his first game at Innsworth. And I think there might have been some, some trash talk coming from the Brentwood side, and Scott kind of shut it up last night with 51. Derek, I'm going to go ahead and say this. Scott Clark is college basketball ready. He could play on this Kentucky team. Yeah, I don't have any insight as to anything different than what we've said in the past on Sky. I mean, I think it's just going to come down to if they need him or not next year because I think he seems to be in a boat where he's cool either way. If he wants to leave early and get here next year, he will. If not, he'll just chill in high school and play with his uh, his little brother, right? Yeah. So. He's he's gonna move up in the class rankings too. I'll go ahead and tell you that. Like he's going that's what his senior year or his junior year is gonna consist of was performances like that. Yeah, I think he's okay with doing whatever UK needs him to do, but I'm with you. I mean if they need him next year, I don't see any reason why he can't come here and have some success as a freshman. Yeah. Like I'm gonna go I'm gonna say he does reclass, but that's just because I just I just don't know, you know, who Kentucky's gonna get outside of Salas in that recruiting class, so I could see. It all depends, too, like I said yesterday, when you asked me who's coming, who, who's, who I think is going to leave, who's going to the NBA. If Devin Askew comes back, it obviously kind of, you know, I, I think hinders the situation with Sky. But I think the best-case scenario would be Sky staying in 22. But uh, you put up performances like that as a junior, I think you're you're kind of ready, you know, for college basketball. But we'll have to wait and see exactly what happens with that. Sky plays again Saturday. So I'll have an update on here on Monday on how he performed. Uh, next question, it's football. Do you think football team hits the transfer portal to add players next year? If so, what positions do you think they go for in the portal? What do you think, Derek? Yeah, I do think for sure they're going to go to the portal. Um, matter of fact, I reached out to the kid, didn't hear back. But recently, Mark Stoops on Twitter, if you're doing a little sleuthing, um, followed Cam Brown, who is a wider. He started four games this year for Texas A&M. He's a wide receiver. He entered the portal. Um, Stoops followed him. Brown followed him back. Whether or not anything came from that, I'm not sure. But he's a name, at least out here, who uh, who Kentucky might be targeting. But there's going to be more. And I think that's the most obvious position where they're going to try to add some talent. Um What's going to be interesting to me to see, and it might depend on how many guys they target, is uh, whether Josh Ali decides to use his extra year. Because I do think, from what I've heard, I think Ali's going to use his extra year somewhere. I don't know if he'll graduate and transfer from Kentucky. I had heard, though, that if Bo Allen is the quarterback next year, which it seems to be the 
most likely scenarios that he would consider staying at UK. So I think UK's going to do some recruiting on him. Either way, I think Josh is going to play college football somewhere next year. And if he's going to stay in college, I think UK uh, will certainly do its best to try to keep him there. But I do think wide receivers are one spot. Maybe, I mean, I, I, they've signed a lot of offensive linemen the last few years, so maybe they're not super eager to go there. But at the same time, if you can get a uh, maybe a talented kid who you feel like can help you right away, perhaps you do that and give – because, you know, the guys they just signed in 2020, it was their best offensive line class in a long time. But they're either going to – yeah, they're all going to be redshirt freshmen actually next year with really no playing time at all. So I could see a scenario where they want to add some experience there and kind of bridge it for a year to get those other guys ready. Yeah, I'm with you. Wide receiver makes sense to me. I think that's the position where they're looking for an instant impact player, uh, especially, you know, if Bo Allen is the starting quarterback. You want to get weapons, you know, piece to piece around him. I, I don't think they're far off, Derek, from, you know, getting the offense going in the right direction. I think the quarterback is on the roster. Now it's just about getting that quarterback guys that they can get the ball to. Mm-hmm. And um, it sounds simple. I mean, obviously they've got they've got to figure out – they can't strike out on wide receivers. They need to uh, obviously upgrade that position, and I, I do think that that will happen. I, I have a, I'm pretty confident that Bo Allen might be the answer to Kentucky's problems, and now we just have to wait and see what happens with that. Well, Derek, I think that completes the mailbag. So another solid mailbag. Please continue to send in those mailbag questions. We will answer them on Fridays. Every single Friday episode will include the mailbag segment, but Derek, let's go ahead and just transition into SEC football for this Saturday. I mean, we'll get, you want to go ahead and get UK Alabama out of the way, and then we'll talk about the others. So Kentucky, yeah. Kentucky and Alabama. This is probably the least we talked about a game all week too. I guess we just both in our minds <laughs> put it as a loss. So we didn't really talk a whole lot about the football this week, but, uh, I picked 45-7 to Alabama. That was just a score that seemed right to me. And, again, if they do that, they hold Alabama under its season average. So just throwing that out there, if they can hold them to 45. 45-7? to Yeah, that's what I went with. Man, it's, I don't know where I'm going to go here. I'm trying to think about what's what's too big, what's not too big. Hmm. Saban likes stoops. 52 to 10. 52 to 10. Only wins all 40, 42 points. Okay. Yep. Uh, I'm with you. I just, I think Kentucky might try to play a similar style it did against Georgia where it just wants to possess the ball. And that's going to limit, obviously, obviously you want to limit Alabama's opportunities on offense, but I just, and it's not even so much, I mean, it doesn't help how, how bad the defense looked against Vanderbilt, but at the same time, I, it's not even really about Kentucky, in my opinion. It's just more like Alabama's just a juggernaut on offense. I mean, it's averaging 47 points per game. Yeah, they've, so, they've already scored two touchdowns and the game's not started. Yeah. I mean, they scored 41 on Georgia, and I know Georgia kind of got shredded as well by uh, by Florida, but I think that I think that's the, the point, though, is even when you do have a very good defense, like when you go up against an offense like these two teams have, it's just not going to – what, it's not going to help you a ton. So maybe I'm going low on the 45. I don't know. But. Would it surprise you if we're in the if it's in the third quarter and it's like a two score game? It would. I would be surprised if this game's not. Uh, I mean, I, two score game. You said. Yeah. Going to halftime. Like, I mean, maybe I could see it being like seven. Like this isn't going to look like this isn't going to look like those games of the Joker Phillips era, is it? Like where Kentucky's losing 63 to five to Florida. 
or something ugly like that, is it? We've not seen an ugly, ugly, ugly game in a long time. Yeah, they lost by 38 to Mississippi State in 2017. But, was the last time but that game was I'm, also close at the half, though. Like, at least. Well, it's it was. Yeah. So I'm just. Yeah. Like, well, that's the thing. Like, if you just get a, like, if you get, like, one stop on on the first half and I like, can possess the ball, as long as they're not going, like, three and out every single possession, then, yeah, I could see it still being somewhat, I mean, maybe not winnable, but, yeah, not like a total laugher by the break. I mean, if you're within 14 and maybe you're getting the ball to start the third quarter or something, there might be enough optimism there. But I just don't think over four quarters they can they can hold Alabama under its season average. That's the big thing is, like, Kentucky can't really score the way they're going to need to to win a game like this. But – I don't know. I want to get out there. And what, what kind of sucks about it is we thought that this was a game in the preseason that would be like a pretty good measuring stick to see where they were as a program at this point in time. And now it just it doesn't really seem like they have much of a shot. No, I, I don't think anyone in their right mind is picking Kentucky to win. I, I'd like to see them be competitive. I think that you could you could get a lot out of this. Like if they go into that game tomorrow and they compete, then I, we'll have a different mindset on the post game show. Going into the last question mark is uh, when when they get Bo Allen in there. At what point does Bo get some snaps? That's uh, that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, tomorrow I want to see some more from. I mean, I'm, it is a game that I'm I'm definitely looking forward to watching just because I think you'll see who stands out, who doesn't, like who runs, who hides, like who hides, who doesn't. And I want to see Chris Rodriguez run the football against that Alabama defense. I want to see uh, some of these younger guys or some some guys who makes plays that can get you kind of excited about moving forward. And then who kind of just goes away to the point where you're like, ah, where, what do you have there at that spot? I, this is this is the game to tell it, Derek. You find out who wants to be on that stage and who doesn't. Uh, but let's go ahead and we'll go through the rest well, of the I, SEC. Last thing I had on that was just uh, what's what's the over under on how many references we get that Mac Jones was committed to, to Kentucky from the SEC Network crew? We'll get yeah, four, no we'll get four before the ball's kicked off. <laughs> like no doubt. You're in four. About it. By the way, I'll say something really cool about Mac. Uh, I have a friend who who lives in Alabama. I have a lot of friends that live in Alabama, and uh, one of them, their their son is battling leukemia right now. And Mac Jones sent a personal video to to him yesterday, and it was one. It, I saw it on Facebook. A really cool thing. I, I, Mac Mac Jones, Derek, I think, is a really you know, quality young man. I think Kentucky targeted that early. I think Kentucky really liked Mac, not only as a football player, and uh, it's worked out for him at Alabama. Uh, I think that all Kentucky fans, it's one of those things where if it doesn't work out, then you can be like, well, here's the thing, though. If it doesn't work out at Alabama, where's it going to work out at? But it certainly has worked out for him there, and I thought that was a really cool thing that I saw on Facebook this morning from Mac. That's cool. Yeah, that uh, says a lot about that kid. And you see that a lot in college football. I mean – We've seen it at UK. I was there uh, a few years back. They did the media availability with CJ Conrad, who would go to the children's hospital every week and visit those kids who were ill there. And uh, it's a great thing. that I think you see that in a lot of college towns. And I know pro athletes do it too. But anything to kind of lighten the, lighten the day for some of those kids and even adults who are going through some really hard times. So that, that's great. I'm glad you brought that up about Mac. Moving to the first game, well, there's actually two new games this week, so we've pretty much got a full slate. Only one postponement at this point. It's Texas A&M at Ole Miss. That's the only game that won't happen. So we go to uh, actually Kentucky's next opponent following Alabama and then Kentucky's most recent opponent in Vanderbilt. So Florida goes to Vandy. That game with the ESPN slot, not really sure why. I guess because Florida (laughs) is top ten. But uh, any reason to discuss this game, Sean? 
Go Gators. No, Florida all the way. I'll say this about Vanderbilt. They have some nice pieces on offense. I'm not being condescending. I mean, they got some kids that I think UK could use uh, offensively for sure. So it might be something to watch in the future. I don't know if they're going to get rid of Derek Mason after this year or not or if it'll even matter. But uh, there's a lot that needs to change with Vanderbilt to be competitive. But the other noon game is uh, this game seemed like it was going to be up in the air. But LSU travels to Arkansas. LSU's not played in like a month, it seems like. So I'm picking Arkansas in this game, Sean. Me too. We'll pick Suey. Because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in love with that Arkansas team. Now, I will tell you this. Kind of made me think Florida's a lot better after what how Florida treated Arkansas last week. So, Florida's offense is just ridiculous. It's, it's insane. And uh, 60s, I think. They didn't even have Kyle Pitts. Did they, they get? I think they got to sixty. Maybe yeah, I know it was definitely to thirty-five. I don't know what the over was on that game, but man, it hit. Well, I'm going to go Arkansas in that one. Uh, like you said, LSU hasn't played in so long that I actually forgot that they were even playing. But Arkansas, I, I like Arkansas. I just think that they ran into. They put up points against Florida. They just yeah. didn't have enough. I mean, you pretty much have to score fourteen every time you score if you're going to keep up with Florida. The way we've that got they a, football. We've got a big showdown here for Jeremy Pruitt and the Tennessee Volunteers. Pulled an upset a few years ago down at Auburn. I think they were 18-point underdogs. They went down there and won. I don't know what the spread is tomorrow. Somehow, Auburn's still in the top 25. They're at number 23, and they're hosting Tennessee. Who you got in this game? This, this is probably the best game of the week. And, I, and I've said multiple times on, on the show that I, I don't think Auburn's great, but I don't think Tennessee's any good at all. Like, I, I'm going to go Auburn. I think that this is going to be the season. I was actually thinking of this last night before I went to bed. I don't know why. I think, I, I think well, it showed Tennessee-Auburn at the bottom on ESPN. And I instantly was like, this is the type of year when this thing's over with. Jeremy Pruitt is going to hear a lot of noise in Knoxville for the next 12 months. Whenever this season's over with, this is not going to be a fun off season for Pruitt because I think that they were kind of the team – going into this year that everybody was circling as, you know, watch out for Tennessee. Tennessee's a sleeper to win the East. Uh, they got destroyed by Kentucky, and they haven't looked good since their game against Missouri. They haven't won since yeah, they game won against a long Missouri. Time. And I don't think they're going to win Saturday. Like, I think Auburn probably beats them by 10 to 14. And I just think that this uh, the end of this season where you still have Florida on the back end, Tennessee still has to play Texas A&M. Uh, I think the only game that Tennessee wins the rest of the way is Vandy. I just I think that Tennessee is going to end up with a three and seven year. Yeah, I think I'm going to take Auburn too. Um, I'm with you though. I said it might be the best game of the week. I meant that from a competitive standpoint, just in terms of the score. Because I'm looking at some. I mean, I guess Arkansas and LSU could be a pretty close game, but like Florida and Vanderbilt won't be close. We don't think Kentucky and Alabama is going to be close. And that brings me to the next two games that they might. Well, one might be close, but let's start with Georgia. Uh, Mississippi State goes to Georgia, and Georgia has actually had a quarterback change. They're going to start JT Daniels, the former five-star recruit who started his freshman year at uh, Southern California. He's going to be starting this game. I like Georgia in this one to roll pretty easily. I'd, I'd say three touchdowns at least. Yeah. Mississippi State's a disaster right now this year. Georgia, Georgia could start me or you at quarterback, and I think they'd be the ball off this week. Mississippi <laughs> <laughs> State uh, had his best defensive player opt out as well. So, been a rough year for, 
for Michael yeah. Leach. And then, you know, we after that LSU game, we were thinking, man, this team's going to end up killing everyone. Then, it, you know what, come to, come to find out LSU just isn't very good. Yeah. So that had more to do with LSU than it did with Mississippi State. But, yeah, I'm going to go with Georgia. I think that Georgia will get you get back on track this week. And then the last game, Derek, it gets the 7.30 p.m. SEC alternate channel, uh, which means it's not a very good game. But yeah, could no be one's cool. watch this one. <laughs> it could be. I'm going to take Missouri, though. I'd, Mike Bobo's taking over. Obviously, it's the first game for South Carolina with Will Muschamp gone. Maybe they come out and play a little bit inspired, but they've had some opt-outs. I think they've got some kids who are on the fence that uh, one more loss probably takes them out. That's why I was interested to see what South Carolina's roster is even going to look like come December 5th when it comes to Lexington. So, I don't know how good Missouri is. Obviously, they beat Kentucky. I didn't even think they played that good the day that they beat Kentucky. Um, I'll take Missouri in a close game, but honestly, wouldn't be surprised at all. So, like, I think this would be a very tight game. So, maybe South Carolina rises up, but I don't know. Sean, what do you think? I'm going to take Missouri, I guess. I'm going to take Missouri, too. Who do they have left on their schedule? Missouri? Yeah. Have they played Vandy? They have already played Vanderbilt, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they or no, okay, that was one that got delayed. They've also had a game delayed against Georgia. So they've got Arkansas, Mississippi State, and Vanderbilt left. <clears throat> they might finish on five. Well, that's the reason that I was asking. Right now, Kentucky's third in the East. Kentucky's three and four on the season. Feels like that they've had a terrible year. Just, you know, with the up, ups and downs with the roller coaster, you know, two two big two wins back to back, two losses. Uh, a couple, you know, Ole Miss and Missouri, you feel like they both were better than those teams, and they're sitting third in the East. I mean, this, this, I mean, they're in position to finish third if something happens, if South Carolina can beat Missouri. But I'm going to say Missouri gets that win. I'm going to say Missouri beats Vanderbilt, and they at least get to four, and then Missouri probably get the tiebreaker over, they get the tiebreaker over Kentucky and bump to third. But it'd be cool, though, in a year like this, if Kentucky could at least finish ahead of those other four teams in the division. Yeah, I'd say uh, Missouri fans would be happy as well with a 4-1 season and Eli Drinkwood's first year. I think that's a success for an all-SEC slate without a spring practice or anything like that. I think they'd be pretty happy with that. The more that I keep looking at this, I just keep asking myself, how in the world did Florida lose to Texas A&M? Because it's almost like we've forgotten about that just because they've been so good since that loss. Yeah, I mean, A&M's only lost that one game. I just we don't really see them much <laughs> since then. Um, well, obviously, they destroyed South Carolina. But uh, since then, they've not played two straight uh, postponements. So, I don't know. Let's, let's just take a few more minutes here. Sean, even though the year's not over, what, what's maybe been your – what which team has disappointed you the most in the SEC this season? Hmm. Based on maybe what you thought about them before the year. Kentucky. It has to be Kentucky, I think. If if we're talking overall, it would be Kentucky. I thought that this team was at least a six and four team. Um, I think they would have been had they not lost to Ole Miss in Missouri. I think that they were actually better than both those teams. I think that's the disappointing thing, and I think that's what makes it so disappointing is that I feel like they were better than both of them, and they lost both those games. Uh, if those games were played now, I think Kentucky would win. Like, I think if they played Missouri today, I, I just think that they had a lot on their mind going on that trip. I don't think any – I think they might have lost to Vandy had they played Vandy that weekend, honestly, with that performance. But then I think if they played Ole Miss now, I think they would beat Ole Miss. 
just happened to be second game of the season, and Kentucky had a ton of defensive issues that game that I think that if it had been game four or five or six, I think Kentucky would have beat Ole Miss. But I'd go Kentucky, and then I think, too, honestly, I'd go Tennessee. I think Tennessee's been very disappointing to this point, too. That I just uh, I felt like both of those programs were going to be in the top three or four of the SEC East, which Kentucky still is. But I thought that they would it'd be a little bit different top three or top four. I thought that they'd at least be in contention and make it interesting. But now neither one of those games, Kentucky, Florida hasn't and Tennessee, Florida has no meaning, no significance on the SEC East race now. Yeah, I'd say three teams, Kentucky, Tennessee, and then LSU and LSU to the extent that I thought they would take a step back this year anyway, just because of how much they lost. But they're they're just bad. Like they're not they're not good at all. And they've had a bunch of off the field issues. I don't know if you saw the story in USA Today where they basically covered up a lot of sexual assault and things like that. I mean, the, for a guy who basically had no pressure on him going into the season and then Ogeron, I think he's going to leave this year, not on the hot seat. But definitely in a place where like he's not to win next year, <laughs> or he's gonna go into 22 uh, in a spot where if he doesn't win, he might be fired. So he might be taking the uh, Gene Chesek route where he gets fired two years after winning a title. That's a lot of projecting. There's a lot of football to be played between then. But with Ed Ogeron, and maybe it's not fair. I've always felt like I mean, you just you give him credit for getting the guys there, but that just really felt like kind of a flash in the pan type team last year where it just all came together. You had all those great players. You had the coaches in place. And they just clicked. They were one of the all-time great offenses last year. They were a lot of fun to watch. But it's hard for me to think that Ed Ogeron ever gets those guys back to that level. No. I honestly could think that he could be a coach that's on the hot seat here in the near future. I mean, if they have, you know, the year they're having now, you follow that with another year. And, it, I mean, that championship seems like it's 10 years removed at that point. Uh, Derek, that covers the SEC slate covers the mailbag just got an, just found an interesting tweet uh so john calipari was on with the uh, the clubhouse in charlotte i think it's a radio show no it's the okay it's with kyle bailey he's the host of the charlotte hornets pregame show and he was talking about malik monk and cal's quote was i wish i'd made it harder for him and then the tweet follows uh malik well put and true malik is gifted and unfortunately he wasn't used to being coached really hard until he got to the hornets that's interesting. Interesting from Cal to say he wish he'd made it harder on him because we see how hard Cal is on these guys. That is interesting because, I mean, how many guys in the league would say that they fared well because of how hard Cal pushed them? And for us to be the other way with one kid, that is, that is interesting. I'd like to hear a little bit more about that. I would too. So I might see if I can find that interview. Uh, I'm sure we'll get something out of tonight. I'm interested in seeing what the format of Big Blue Madness is like. Uh, we'll also get a look at the women's team. As well, I think. Another thing too, they added Indiana to the schedule yesterday, so at least yeah. the women's not playing Indiana. Uh, the men's the men's team's not, but uh, should be a good a good season for both those teams. I think they're both going to be fun to follow and cover, and we'll be talking certainly a lot about both uh, the women's team and the men's team. But Derek, it's been another episode of Kentucky Daily. We'll be back to recap whatever comes of Kentucky at number one Alabama Saturday afternoon. We'll see you then.